0: Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, church. It is good to see each and every one of you here this morning and If you're new around here, maybe this is your first time here at NCC, I just want to start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at NCC, and we're so excited that you're worshiping with us this morning. We're in our third week of this series called Better Together, and just as you saw kind of in that just opening video there, we're talking about the relationships that God places in our life. And we've been spending the past few weeks, and we're going to look this week and next week at how God puts us together, how we were never meant to do life on our own. And you can see that. You see faces up there that whenever you think of one of them, you automatically think of the other person. Maybe one name is said and you automatically put in kind of that fill in the blank on that second person. And we believe that's how we're created, that we were never meant to do this by ourselves. We were never meant to do this alone as Christians. We're not meant to live out our faith alone. But we're called, God places each and every one of us together in these relationships to encourage, to challenge one another, to um, encourage each other to grow. And so that's what we're looking at. We're opening up God's word over the, um, the next few weeks and just exploring how God has placed relationships in our life. And so we started the first week talking about the church. If you guys were here that week, we talked about how God has connected each and every one of us. You're here on purpose. You're a part of this local body for a reason, and we need one another. It's vitally important that you're here because God uses us to challenge one another, to speak hope and faith in our lives together, and so it's vitally important that we're here. And the Word of God even says this, that whenever the church is united, this picture that God has of the church, whenever we're together, that even the gates of hell cannot stand against what God wants his church to accomplish. And we believe that, that there's specific relationships that happen together in the church body as we're together that begin to take place. Last week, we talked about the disciples, another relationship that Jesus had with this group of 12 young men and how Jesus spent three years of his life really pouring into them really speaking into them, growing them because he knew that he wasn't going to be here. And so he's intentional about these relationships. He gets to know them on this deeper level. And then we challenge each and every one of you to look at the influences God has placed around you and to be intentional with those relationships and to grow and to really get to know the people that God has placed in the groups in your life so that God can use you to minister to one another. And today we want to look at, once again, this idea of how the church is called to be better together, what we're called to do as the church. And and this message is a little bit different than what I had planned at the beginning of the week, but I feel like this is something God wants to speak to us and challenge us with. Once again, each and every one of us, you are here for a reason. God's placed you in this room. God's placed you here at NCC in this church body because it's a place that he wants you to belong. It's a place where he wants you to grow other people. And I look around this room and and even at some of the brokenness that each and every one of us have heard about this week and the world around us, and I look and I think, God, this church is part of the picture of what the world should be like. I mean, just take a moment and look at the people around you. Okay, We do this sometimes from time to time. Okay, Look at the people behind you. Get to see their lovely face to the people on your left, the people on your right. And I can imagine this is a little picture of what heaven should be like because we're not all the same in this room, you guys. We don't have to hide that or code over that. Each and every one of us are very different, okay? Man, there's a lot of different people in this room coming from different ethnic backgrounds, coming from different geographic backgrounds, from, coming from different economic statuses, all of these things. God has put a very diverse group of people together here. And that's very beautiful when I think of new community church and what God has done. It's not like we intentionally went out and said, hey, we have to get different people. It's just what happens when we're living as the church together. It's what God does. This is what heaven's going to be like. Everyone's not going to look like you guys. Everyone's not going to be like you. All of the worship music I imagine in heaven may be very different. There may be some rap. There may be some rock. There may be some African tribal music. It's going to be very different. God has amassed a vast group of people as he's calling them to himself that have accepted his gift of salvation. And so heaven's going to look kind of like this, a very different group of people, but that are together because we love one another and we love God. Our hearts are set towards him. He is the one that we're focused in on. But that's not the picture that we're seeing in our world right now, is it, church? I mean, like you, I woke up this week a number of times, not just once, and as I'm going through my iPhone on social media, on Facebook, in the news, I'm reading about what happened, and I'm reading about the brokenness in our world. Two black men that were shot, police officers that were targeted, and I think, God, this is not a picture of what the world should be like. This isn't how you've made us, God. This isn't how you designed us to live. That's this whole series that we're talking about is that we're better together. We need to understand that That it's not our differences that should separate us. It's those things that make us stronger. We're actually better when we have people of different um, backgrounds and all of these things that come together. We strengthen one another. We encourage one another. We balance the weakness and the strengths out in each other's life. And so we need to understand that. And we see brokenness like this. And it raises questions. It raises fear. It raises doubts in our mind. And sometimes, church, it's easy to begin to point the finger It's easy to look at the news articles and try to explain what's going on, try to place blame on some certain group, try to justify some other group who maybe we relate to. We can do all of these things. We can begin to look and and want to affiliate with some group and say, hey, they were right and this other group was wrong because of what they've done. But that should not be our first response as Christians. Church, we're clearly told in the word of God that our battle here on this earth is not against flesh and blood. It's not against someone else that looks different or looks the same as us. It's not someone in the same career or a different career. That's not who our battle is against. Paul, a writer in the New Testament, says, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, church. You wrestle against principalities. When you see this kind of evil, when you see this kind of injustice, when you see this kind of racism, know that this is the work of the enemy, that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to tear apart our world. And God says, no, I've given the church. The church is a picture. It's a hope. It's my part of my plan of redemption to show the world what it should look like to be unified together. We're not wrestling against one another. This isn't pointing our finger at someone else and saying they're to blame, but it's realizing this is the work of the enemy. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And so I want us to look at how do we respond as the church How are we a picture of what it means to be better together when we see this kind of evil in our world? Not just what's happened over this past week, but over the past few weeks and over the past few years, what we see taking place. And I read these quotes and I want to share them with you because they're a powerful reminder. They were from um, a speaker, a pastor, a civil rights activist who many of you know, Martin Luther King Jr. And this is what he said. I want to read you two quotes He said, violence never brings permanent peace. It destroys community and makes brotherhood impossible. It leaves society in a monologue rather than a dialogue. Violence ends up defeating itself because it creates bitterness in the survivors and brutality in the destroyers. He said this, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. In church, those words are still as powerful today. We need that reminder in the church, in, an, in our nation, to realize that, that it, no, no peace is going to be brought out by more violence, by more hatred. It's only love that does that. It's only love that will bring us together and unify us. So what does it look like as the church to be better together? How does the church respond when we see this kind of injustice, when we see racism going on, when we see this kind of tension in our world? This is how I believe we're challenged to respond with this first kind of idea, and it's this right here. We as the church, we stand against injustice and racism anywhere that we find it. I want you to hear that, and I want that to get inside of you. As the church, we stand against injustice and racism anywhere that we find it. That's what we're called to do as a church. As I mentioned, it's easy sometimes to point blame, to assume that one party or the other party is guilty. There are people right now on Facebook that are saying, hey, it's okay that police officers were murdered because that's just how police officers are. There are people that are saying, hey, it's just another black young man and he deserved what he got. It was okay that that happened to him. There were people that were weeks ago that were saying, hey, that's just God's judgment on a homosexual community. When someone walks into a nightclub and just sprays it with bullets, it's okay that that happens. That's not our stance as the church. We stand against injustice and racism wherever we find it. It is never okay for someone to be targeted or stereotyped with another group because of the actions of another individual. It's not okay to say they deserved it or they got what is coming because of the actions of someone else. And just because they happen to be the same color of skin or come from the same neighborhood or have the same occupation, it is not okay. We as the church stand against that kind of injustice and racism and we speak out against it. Why? Because our lives are supposed to reflect Christ. We're supposed to be a picture of who Jesus is, and the Word of God is full of Scripture where he's challenging the church to understand this, the people of God to be a voice for those who do not have a voice or for those who are experiencing oppression. If you have your Bibles, you can quickly open them. I'm just going to hit two verses right here. But in Proverbs, in this wisdom that Solomon gives us, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 15, we're told Solomon is challenging the people of God to speak out on behalf of others. And this is what he says, Proverbs 17, 15. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. When you with your words, with you, anyone on a Facebook post or on social media or even coarsely joking, justifies the action of the wicked and says, somehow it's okay that they did that. That's an abomination to the Lord. Anyone who condemns the righteous and said, well, they deserve that because they're lumped in with this group of people. That's an abomination to the Lord. God says, I am not pleased with that. That's not how I want that to go out. That's not what I want to happen. Micah chapter six, verse eight says this. You can look this up later. It says, what has God required of you, O man? And what does he say is good, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly, With your God, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What's the first thing? He's looking at the people of God saying, you do justice. You don't just talk about it, you do it. You fight on behalf of the oppressed. You stand up for those that don't have a voice. You condemn racism and injustice wherever you see that at. You're a voice for those that do not have a voice. That's what we are called to do. That's what we're called to be as the people of God to do justice. That's part of our calling. And so we don't lump people together, church, and assume that somehow they deserved it or they got what was coming, but we speak out on behalf of those that are being oppressed. We speak out on behalf of those that are hurting. And we do this in every area. We do this wherever we see this. So it's not okay that a group of homosexuals were targeted in Orlando. It doesn't mean we water down the word of God or or that we don't call sin, sin, but it means that we show compassion in those moments. I've actually heard Christians say, you know what we need to do? We just need to go over to the Middle East and we just need to bomb the Arabs as if that's somehow going to solve something. We need to bomb the Muslims. That's racism and it's judgment against another religion. Now, I want you to clearly hear me. I believe that truth is truth. I believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. But we are not gonna change this world like we need to just by a bigger gun, by more powerful weapons. That's not how you were changed. That's not how I was changed. I was changed by the cross of Jesus, by his blood that he shed. And it's when we show that kind of love to people that are hurting, to people who don't know the truth, it's only when we show that kind of love that salvation and redemption is gonna come. You guys, we don't need another war. We don't need more guns. We need to demonstrate the love of Jesus to people that are hurting. You guys, so as the church, we stand up against racism and injustice wherever we find it. We speak out against it. Now, let me tell you this. It's not the best place. It's not gonna happen by your Facebook post. It's gonna happen when you're in the workplace, when you're around family members, and they're joking in a way that's not okay to be joking. And you say, hey, I don't wanna be talked about like that. I don't think we should be talking about other people like that, even joking. It's when you hear someone say something like what I've just mentioned. We just need to bomb them. Hey, they got what they deserve. When you pull them aside in a one-on-one conversation and you're saying, hey, as Christians... It's people that should love other people. You know what? We don't speak about one another like that. We don't talk about each other like that. We don't lump groups of people together like that because that doesn't reflect the actions of every single person that represents that group. So we don't do that. We we pray for those people. We encourage them. We live as Christ has called us to live. And even those that are enemy church. Even those that would try to do us harm. What does scripture say? It says that you love your enemy, that you bless those who curse you. That's what Jesus said we are called to do. That's how we're called to live as Christians. And I truly believe that, that as a church, we're better together. We're called to be that picture, even in the midst of dark times, of what it means to represent Christ. And so once again, we stand against injustice and racism wherever we find it. The second thing is this. We pray and we grieve with those that have been affected. We pray and we grieve with those that have been affected. It's easy to quickly glance over these news articles and just another shooting, just another killing, just more stuff that's happened, more thing that's taking place, but that's not our response as Christians. See, whenever life is taken... All life is sacred to God. Whenever that's taken, it should hurt us on a deep level. Doesn't matter what that person's past was, doesn't matter what they did, we grieve in that moment, we mourn with them. We cry with family members that are waking up this weekend, asking questions, wondering where God is at in the midst of all of this. We hurt with them. That's what the scripture says, that he has given us his spirit to comfort those that need to be comforted, that Jesus has walked through those painful situations. And so we grieve and we mourn, just like Jesus did when he was here on this earth with people that have been affected by loss, with people that have experienced that. And so we cry with moms and dads that have lost their sons, with wives that have lost their husbands, with kids that don't have a dad, and this is not how they thought the week was gonna end. We grieve with those. We grieve with people that are black and now they're feeling like, hey, am I being judged? Am I being associated with that group? It's not just affecting a small group of people. This isn't limited just to Minneapolis or Baton Rouge or Dallas, this affects so many people, you guys. We grieve with police officers who are going into their jobs now a little bit more on edge, a little bit more kind of anxious in those situations whenever they're pulling people over. This is not how the world should be. They're standing there. They're trying to to protect us, and they're trying to serve us. And now it's a little more scary than it already is for them. And you guys, we grieve with them. But not just them. Church, we have to grieve with the people that committed these crimes, I can remember i um, just, I was probably just in kindergarten or first grade, and I'm walking down the street to my son's school, and I'm getting ready to pick him up, and these people drive by, they spit on me, they start calling me names, they call me the N-word and say, hey, go back to where you came from, and I start to tear up in that moment, and I, I'm hurt, you guys, I'm hurt by that. And I think they don't know me, they don't know anything about me, yet they've judged me just because my skin is a certain color, my hair looks a certain way. And as I'm starting to cry, I just felt like God's Spirit said, Aaron, you need to hurt for them too. Because I don't understand it, but there's some kind of hatred in their life. They've been hurt in some way. There's something going on in the deepest level of their life where this is how they live their life full of judgment, full of hate. In church, even when we're wronged, even when we see that injustice, we can't just pray for the victims. We have to pray for those that perpetrated the crimes. The word of God challenges us to get on our knees and to pray for the people that would be filled with hate, the people that would go in and try to bomb someone or the people that would try to take someone else's life, the people that would say things that are hateful. I am required as a Christian to get down on my knees and to ask Jesus in his spirit to change them on the deepest level of their hearts. See, those are the kind of prayers that we have to pray. In church, it's not easy. It's not easy in that moment to do that, but we're called to do that. Why? Because we were given that kind of grace. See, it's easy for me to want God to cover my sins and my mistakes and not someone else's, but that's not how we live as Christians. We offer forgiveness to everyone who needs it. We offer Christ's love, and we offer prayer to everyone who needs to see that change in that transformation? And so, as a church, we grieve and we pray for those that have been involved on both sides in every way. Family members, we lift them up. And they're not just nameless people, they're not just another number. These are people who had real lives. And so, we pray for Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge and his family that are grieving this weekend. We pray for Philando Castile, who is in Minneapolis. And the people that are around him that are hurting this weekend, we pray for the officers. In case you don't know their names, I want to give them to you. It's Michael Smith, Michael Crow, Patrick Zamripa, Brent Thompson, and Lauren Ahrens. All of these have family members. All of these police officers were people that served their community, that did this job to protect those around them. These were people that ran towards the gunfire instead of away because they wanted to protect people that were there. These were brave men that gave their lives, brave officers, and we want to pray for them. And we as a church, we should grieve and we should mourn the loss that's taken place. And so we're not just gonna talk about doing that, we're gonna do that in this room And church, I believe that it's important not just to pray, but to take a moment and to mourn with those families. And so I know we don't often do this. We're not accustomed to that. But for the first few seconds here, we're not gonna say anything. And we're gonna allow our hearts to hurt because of the brokenness of people. Because the families that are living in fear in the neighborhoods that they're in or the way that other people are gonna look at them, we're gonna take a few moments and we're gonna mourn for that injustice. And then after that, we're going to lift our voices up and we're going to cry out to God. We're going to pray for these families to be comforted, but we're also going to pray that we would, the church would begin to see the change and be the change that the world needs to see around us. So I'm going to ask you to do that. You can bow your heads here this morning, but let's just, just take a moment in silence and let's mourn together what's taking place and what our nation, what our city, even right here in Dallas has been through. Now, church, I'm going to ask you to lift up your voice just right where you're sitting at and just begin to pray. Just in your own words, you don't have to pray some special prayer, but let's begin to cry out for the families, the grief that they're experiencing, for the brokenness in our nation. God, we come before you, Lord. I cannot even imagine what it's like for these family members, Lord, who are experiencing loss this week, who are crying, God, they're hurting, Lord, because their family member has been taken from them. God, And Lord, I don't have all the answers, Lord. I don't have some perfect solution, but Lord, I know they're hurting, God. And all I can ask is that your spirit would comfort them, Lord, right now in their houses, God, right now where they're at. God, is there maybe around other family members? Holy Spirit, would you go and would you begin to fill that place with your presence, God, with your spirit, Lord, would they feel that you are close to them, God, that you are near, that you are embracing them, Lord. God, that you are a God of comfort, and even in our darkest moments, God, even, when we're hurting lord even when we're suffering lord you don't separate yourself from us god lord i see you at the tomb of lazarus weeping lord for the loss that they had experienced god and i'm praying god that you would be that god that weeps with us we weeps with us in our pain god that hurts with us lord with the things that we're experiencing god the things that we're going through god be the god of comfort for these families lord God, we lift up, Lord, our nation, God, that is so divided, Lord. We lift up, God, areas, God, that are filled with hatred, Lord, people that are hurting, God, people that are living in fear, God, and I'm praying that your church would rise up, God, that you would allow us to be what you have called us to be, that we would speak against injustice, God, we would do justice like your word challenges us to do, God, Lord, that we would oppose racism wherever we find it at, God, wherever we find hatred, God, we would speak against, it, and in its place, Lord, we would plant your love, God, your joy, your peace, God, Lord, the fruit of your spirit at work inside of us, Lord, in our schools, God, in our workplace, Lord, in family members, in friends' life, Lord, help us to be that example that you've called us to be, God, bring unity. Lord, bring unity, God. We speak against the work of the enemy, God. We speak against Satan and those demonic forces, God. We come against principalities, Lord. And God, we realize that you are greater, God. You're greater than any work of the enemy, God. And we speak your love over our nation, God. We speak your love, God. And I pray for that wisdom for our leaders, God, wisdom for people that are investigating, God, all of these things that have taken place, God, your wisdom and your justice, God, we speak this over our nation, Lord. Lead us and guide us. Help us to be an example and a reflection of your love everywhere that we go this week. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Church, I want to give us just a couple more ways that we respond this week. The first is this right here is our community is going to join together um, tomorrow night. And it's a Mesquite community prayer gathering. It's going to be at 6 p.m. at Mesquite Friendship Baptist Church. The police chief and I believe a number of the police officers are going to be there together and we're going to pray over them. We're going to pray God's protection and we're going to let them know that we appreciate them and we support them. And we are so excited of their service and what they do to allow for our freedom and our protection here in this nation. We're going to be joining with a number of other churches and praying together for the unity that needs to happen in our city. That Mesquite would be an example and it would be a city where churches come together, where races come together, where different economic statuses come together, and where we love each other and we're a reflection of Christ. And so we're going to join together in prayer. This is a way, once again, as we come together, as we're unified, that it combats the evil and the injustice that we see in the world. Church, I want to challenge you to be here tonight. We mentioned it earlier. We're going to have a worship and prayer night. And it's not just praying here on a Sunday morning, but it's continuing in prayer. And I often think about this, where it's so easy to kind of do this quick post and let people know, hey, we're thinking about them. But what happens a week later? What happens two weeks later when that mom, when that wife, when those kids wake up and they can't run into dad's room, can't run into their husband's room, and that herd is still there. We need to continue to pray. And so we're going to do that again tonight. We're going to join in prayer for these families. And we're going to worship together. And we're going to remember that God's greatness, his character, his power, who he is, is greater than anything that we see in the world. And we need that reminder in moments like this together. Church, I want to challenge you that we do not participate in conversations that have anything to do with racism or injustice. And once again, the best place to do that is not on Facebook, it's in one-on-one conversations. It's to challenge those around you that we show compassion to people that are hurting, that we stand up for those that are oppressed, that we fight injustice wherever we see that. And not only in our own lives, we challenge those that God has placed around us, friends, coworkers, to do the same. To do that same thing, to be an example of what it means to be a community, to be unified, And so we're a voice for that as the church of Jesus Christ. You guys, I truly believe this. We can look at moments like this, what's happened this past week, and even the past few weeks, what's been taking place, and we can begin to despair. But I believe this. God is establishing his church. God's raising up his church. In the moment where there's darkness, the light shines so much brighter, church. And that's what we're called to do. The church is the answer, it's the hope, it's the reflection of Christ in the world today. We are the body, we are the representation of Jesus to a world that so desperately needs that. And so we're challenged to go out and to live that out. I just want to pray for us all this week that God would help us to be his light in our community, in the relationships that we have, so let's pray together. God, thank you for this reminder from your word this morning, Lord. Thank you for this challenging message, God. I truly believe that we are better together. God, you've given us a very diverse church, and God, I pray this week as we're out in the community, Lord, we would live out what it means to be an example of you, a reflection to you. God, fill our words with compassion and kindness to people that are hurting, God. Lord, help us to speak faith to people that are living in fear or doubt. God, help us to be that example of who you are to a world that is broken. Lord, we want to represent you, Jesus. So I pray for that in our workplace, in our friendships around family members. God, do that inside of us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.